just talking about, hey, this is Living in the Past, Patreon-only podcast where we discuss, you know, the pop culture of the late 70s, 80s, and early 90s. Guys, this this show is all about film noir. We're in the month of November, Norvember. Um, I, I don't know about you. It's a genre I love, and I think it might be a genre that Carl hates. Oh, I, and so I have no idea, Devin, where you're at on this thing. Um, but I figured, yeah, you know. No, I, I, I love it. Well, actually, Jeremy, first of all, can we just kind of back back up just a little bit? Yes. Noir from the French meaning dark. Um <laughs> We want to make sure our listeners, uh, yes. clearly they're the most educated listeners out there because they've chosen this <laughs> podcast, but um, <laughs> indeed, just setting the the right balance for getting this, yes, the, the I don't even think it's noir films, but it's films of noir, I believe is the correct phrase. Yes. Films yes. of noir. <laughs> wow. Yes. We yes. just went up a level just from that Yes, comment. we did. We're leveling up today. Thanks, Devin. Thanks. Um, I... I as someone that's depressed half the time, I love noir. It like feeds my depression. Yes. It's like oh, glorious. Good. I feel it. It really is. It's it's why why I love it so much. Um, <laughs> before that, we started recording though. Carl was telling me how much he hates it. Carl, <laughs> why? why do you hate it so much? I don't hate it, Jeremy. I don't hate it. Chris White, forgive Jeremy for saying hate. No, um, no, it's one of those. You know, I. Personally, a lot of times go to movies just to sort of escape the realism of the world. So I, you know, a lot of movies that maybe are strong social commentaries, things that really dive deep into very serious issues. You know, that's not the movie I want to see as far as (laughs) when I go to a movie. I'm not saying those issues aren't important. They are. We need to deal with them. But, you know, when I go to a movie, I just want to, like, escape from all that stuff. So, you know, noir, when I see the noir movies... Uh, I, I just, I, I can see how they're a very good movie. I see how they're done well, depending on the director, writer, actors, that sort of thing. But it's like when I leave right. the story, I just feel, I feel down. I don't want to feel down, Jeremy. I want to be happy all the time. So, uh, no, it's just, so when I go to those movies, it's not movies that I necessarily revisit. I can say they're good movies. I can say I pulled some stuff out of them. And as I get older, there are times where I might leave a movie not liking the ending, not feeling good about what happened and thing and that's not a movie for me but i do probably end up thinking about it more sometimes to do sort of like and then i start pulling things that are valuable out of it like okay i I see that i I should think more about that so i don't hate the genre as i get older i i I do sort of have liked it more i don't think i totally understand it but i'm just a um you know as far as like i heard one time in a podcast somebody who i listened to a lot in the past was he uh he said that veronica mars was like Noir set in high school. Okay, that's about as noir as I can get, I guess. It's got to be in that CW, <laughs> teenage, poppy yes. kind of way. And, you know, <laughs> nice. looking at noir, I could see, you know, it's not as depressing and sad as, but you could see kind of the elements that are in there, like uh, fighting the system and things sort of, you're sort yeah. of, no matter what you do, you still sort of end up on the short end of the stick. Uh, that Those sort of things in that. So I can see that. I can enjoy it. It's just, I would rather be happy when I leave the theater, I guess. Wow. Right. Oh my gosh, I'm sick. Do I need to stay on for the rest of the recording? That was disgusting. <laughs> yeah, uh, listen, why, why let me not? take it back to this because one of the things that noir, pardon me, one of the things that films of noir have, um, Jeremy, that I, I think is is appealing is not just the dark elements, but there's there's that that siren, right? There's that yeah. there's that 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 temptress. Uh, we look at things, um, and I, I apologize if I'm going to name something that's on one of your guys' lists, but like you look at the 
Devil in the Blue Dress. And, and yeah. that film, it, it, that is an exquisite example of film of noir. And and I think that, let, let me just fill this in, because here's something that I've been onto since I was a freshman in high school. We had a, it's funny the things that we remember, right? We had a student teacher whose name was Ted. No idea what his last name was, because he was very hippie, and so even as ninth graders, we had to call him Ted. <laughs> yes. um, but as we were discussing Greek and Roman mythology, as a 14-year-old boy, this is what I remembered. All men, all men, want one of two things, either a virgin or a slut. <laughs> and so um, as a 14-year-old boy, that was kind of emblazoned in my mind and heart. Yes. And yes. Uh, while I will skip over the years of dating and its relation to that um, particular <laughs> little bit of life wisdom, I will say that one of the things that I think that films of noir bring out is a lot of them have that temptress that I think really in, in many times tries to undermine the protagonist or at least we get to this 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 cautionary tale of morality that's going to put the mm -hmm. the the protagonist in a position where um, th they have to choose and I and I will say I will say um, also um, that I think this is one of the things that's attracting or attractive to me about the films of noir mm -hmm. genre because um, our, our, our protagonists are, are very much the anti-heroes, right? Mm -hmm. they, they don't want to be there. They're often right. doing the quote-unquote right thing, but not necessarily because they want to. Or the right, right. way. Right. Right. Jeremy, yeah. back to you. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And, and it all, it, like, the female characters in in the genre often are, like, a step ahead of our protagonists. And I always, yes. I love that kind of the protagonist always trying to piece everything together and figure it out. I mean, Bogart was doing that, you know, in the in his films. He'd made so many Maltese Falcons one, but like he's made yeah. so many like noir pictures. And he's always in that situation where he's trying to piece it together. And oftentimes it's that female counterpart that's like a step ahead of him that you like her, but you don't know if you could trust her. And, and yes. I love that element, too. Um I like the cynical hero. I I, mm. I love not only the characters that you see in the genre, but I like how really good filmmakers shoot the genre, where mm. um, a mm. lot of experimental or interesting camera angles, lighting. Um, yes. I I often find myself when I when I watch you know anything from the '40s to today. Um, I enjoy watching them because not only are the characters interesting to me, but the style in which the movie is being shot, um, mm. the framing, the blocking of shots, like all that stuff is, is visually interesting more than a lot of the other genres that I enjoy. And so yeah. anytime like you blend genres, but you blend it with noir, I I'm really yeah. excited. Um, I gravitate to it and I, I love there's a depth to noir films that I typically appreciate. Um, a lot of times they end, I, I don't know. I, I guess they end in a way that's sort of a downer. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel though that I'm, yes. I'm it's honest. And I guess that's one yeah. of the reasons why I like the genre so much is I, mm. I like its honesty. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I'm being bull crapped. Yeah. I feel like I'm getting it. Yeah. I'm getting it straight, you know, and uh, I always love that. Uh, and I love the surprises. I So our question that's sort of guiding the conversation is like, well, what's our favorite? You know, what's some of the mm. best film noir we've seen from the 70s, 80s, and, and 90s? Um, 
I have I have like four picks. I have so many that I love, but there are four that kind of rise to the surface for me that if I don't watch them at least once a year, something's not right. I'm I I oh. I constantly go back to them. And in fact, uh two on the list that on my list I've seen in the last month and a half. Like I've I've wow. sought them out, watched them and, mm-hmm. and um um, I'm sort of there's a third that I'm like midway through watching with my wife who had never seen it. So mm. um, I can't wait to share share my list um, with our patrons and with you guys. Um, let's let's jump in. Uh, we know that like film noir starts in the and it's sort of like after World War Two. That's when we really start to see it. That's when it becomes the most prevalent. Um, but then there's sort of a revival in the late 60s, moving into the 70s, a lot of people refer to that as neo-noir. Um, and I really love those films that, that come out in, mainly in the 70s, moving into the 80s. Uh, but let's just like start breaking down our list. What are some of the things we love, some of the movies that, that we really like as we move into the month of November? Um, Carl, I'm going to start with you. Okay. What, what do you? What's a what's a movie, a film on your list that you really that you really enjoy? Well, I had to um, yeah. just trying to come up on my, of my on my own of noirs that I had seen. I really couldn't, you know, because it, it is a genre that some people say is it a genre. What are the you know? Right, right, right. It doesn't necessarily have all the same qualifications sometimes. So, right, you know, right. Experts can disagree on whether things are or not, but one. Just kind of on my own thinking of movies that I'd seen, and and for me, most of mine get into more of the '90s. But um, the one that I could come right. up on my own was like Falling Down with Michael Douglas. So, oh wow, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, and interesting. I think maybe part of that is, you know, a lot of the others. I, I'm sometimes you can't necessarily put yourself in the character. I know part of one of the tropes in it maybe is that. It's somebody's moral failing from beginning of the movie to the end, and, and they can they maybe start at a higher place and come down to a lower morally compromised position. Um, mm. But some of those things, and I was you know as an adult, I understand I'm not this way, but as a kid, I was pretty sheltered and stuff, so I didn't necessarily think, well, I'm never those. That's not a temptation that's ever. I'm not going to take that journey down to low morals like that. So it wasn't necessarily characters that I could identify with or. The, the choices they made, I couldn't necessarily identify with. But in Falling Down, you could see just the frustration of just everyday life, you know, with with Michael Douglas's character there. And he, you know, starting out in a you know, hottest day of the year, traffic in L.A., and then just right, all the stuff right. he goes through, you know, dealing with, you know, being estranged from your wife and just wanting to go to your daughter's birthday party and, and kind of being pushed aside from that. So just the normal things in life that just you sort of build up. It's not the, say like in Chinatown where it's not the government that's out to, you know, it's, 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 you can't fight city halls kind of deal. This is just the normal things that you go through life. So, and the scene in the restaurant, of course, sticks out where he wants to order breakfast and it's like 1132 and you know, the, the, the fake smiling managers like, yes, uh, yes, we don't serve uh, breakfast. We're at lunch now. And you know, it's like, you probably Mm -hmm. got stuff you're about to throw away or the stuff's still there. Just slap it together. (laughs) And then when yeah. he finally does get, he finally changes his mind. He says, "Okay, I'll go with lunch." And he gets a hamburger, and he's mad because it doesn't look anything like the picture. Just those little things like that, just sort of like yeah. you can see where you're just sort of like 
the world is broken and it's out to get you and, and there's just a lot of times where you can't do anything to win so that movie kind of sticks out with me and i did i did enjoy that movie and can relate more to the protagonist there right right yeah Devin, do you have you seen you've seen falling down right yeah, I mean that that movie hits a little too close to home as a middle-aged dude. Um, I mean, who amongst us that's been in education for any length of time hasn't had feelings of Michael Douglas in in that film when it comes to just the the WTAF moments yeah. of dealing with students and their parents? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a great pick. You know what's great about that, Carl, is I didn't even have that anywhere on my radar. Mm, I, and I so either. I actually love kind of making the connective tissue with that because I think that, you know, Michael Douglas in that film is, in many ways, it's it's just like him, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like we had these yeah. characters float in and out, but there's not necessarily like this this um, this mystery that he has to solve or anything. Right. It's just kind of this, this rundown of his day. And so... I love the fact that you kind of bring that into this noir genre. Um, I have to, I have to really rethink that now. I, I may need to go watch that with this in mind. I dig that. Yeah, yeah, Devin, what, what's on your list? Well, you know, Jeremy, <laughs> thanks for asking. Great question. Yeah, um, as typi- <laughs> typical OCD overachiever, I actually gave uh, came down with uh, my top three oh. of each decade: seventies, eighties, oh, wow. and nineties. So. I, I would how would you like me to just pull back the curtain on this? Do you want me to, to do it by decade? Do you want me just yeah. to skip the okay 70s well, case, start with the 70s yeah 70s yeah. sure um, well here, here are a couple that uh, we already mentioned one Chinatown um, yeah. with, with Jack Nicholson obviously yes. that's got to be at the top of the list. If you yep. were to go search lists on the interwebs, that's going to make uh, most right. of them. I, I also love, though, um, I also love the original Assault on Precinct 13 with yeah. this John Carpenter film. Yeah. Um, nothing against the, the remake that happened, what, I don't know, a dozen or so years ago, but um, really dig the first one. And then, you know, here's one that uh, it based on, on r- real life events, and that is Serpico. Mm. I, I really um, dig just, quite frankly, the honesty that that film has, and it's, I guess, it's it's... Um, it's the integrity of the film as far as actually matching the, the real-life events that, that Frank Serpico underwent as a New York City detective in in the 60s and 70s. So those are my three 1970s Yeah, that's good. Genre. That's good. Noir. You know, film a 70s noir. for me that I didn't, for the longest time, didn't really classify as noir, <clears throat> but on further reflection, I think you could make a case that it could fall into the genre as all the president's men with... Oh, um, Redford and, and um, yeah. Dustin Hoffman. I, I just the stuff with like um, meeting in the parking garage with Deep Throat and like mm. just the, the way it's filmed, um, yeah. the tension throughout the, the, the film, the cynicism of, of both both Woodward and Bernstein. Um, that's a film I, I love, like newspaper movies, like whether mm. it's that or even even the paper by ron howard you know i i like that movie a lot um and spotlight that won the best picture just a few years yeah, ago I, I love that stuff so i i typically think of all the president's men as like a newspaper journalism movie but i do see a lot of elements of of noir with it and and so that's something for me chinatown 70s yes uh but but all the president's men sort of sneaks into that category for me 
Uh, and it's something I've even watched uh, this year, I think. I think early, like in the spring, I, I sat down and watched it just because I, I love revisiting it. Such a good film. And so let me ask this, because what's interesting is if you search, you know, best noir films by right. decade or whatever, I, there's a couple on there that I thought, oh, does that does that properly fit in there? And you know what's interesting? On a couple of lists were the original Dirty, Dirty Harry, Harry films. I thought, oh, oh interesting. I, I yeah. had never classified that as noir, but I'm, I'm like, okay, yeah. I guess I can see where you could kind of, you know, expand the definition a little bit and, and fit those right. in there. because. Harry Callahan certainly is the antihero. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And th- and th- those films obviously involve some pretty dark moments and stuff. So that I, okay, I like. And as somebody that obviously one of his one of his Dirty Harry films was filmed here in Santa Cruz, uh, Sudden Impact. <laughs> yeah. Um, that I gotta give a tip of my tip of my cap to that. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting. It, it it it's very of all the genres this one has this a very postmodern approach where it's like yes it's like yeah that, this fits you know and it's like yeah. there's this nebulous kind of way of defining film noir you know the yeah. genre and what fits in it and and i even have in my mind i have my own definition which is typically darkly lit dutch mm-hmm. tilt where the 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 camera's always kind of like tilted mm-hmm. to the side yeah. like you see yeah. those weird elements so like lighting is dark the dutch tilt there, there's a lot of experimental methods it's very moody uh yeah. and, and at times slow paced um dips into like suspense horror thriller territory and you have a yeah. cynical protagonist like those yeah. are kind of the things that i think of when i i think of noir that's why i totally dig the falling down one but like I, that wasn't on my radar at all because mm-hmm. it didn't fit my little postmodern definition of of what the genre is. So I think that's one of the reasons why the conversation is so interesting. Mm-hmm. Is what are you putting in the bucket? And and you know when I when I hear falling down, I actually thought Douglas. When I think of Douglas, I think of like the year before. I think it was in '92, Basic Instinct. Yeah. I think that's a film noir. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. so it's interesting just how we define it and and think about those types mm-hmm. of films. So Devin, what's well, in your eighties? Yeah. So let me just kind of dovetail yeah. on that before we go into that. But I, I think there's another thing too, which has really risen to kind of cult status right. in the last decade or so. And that's just this very close cousin of noir, which is, which is cyberpunk. Yeah. And, you know, some, some video games have been built around that and stuff. And so yeah. it's interesting how there's just this blending and kind of meshing of these different genres. Eighties. Um, right, right. So this is really where I, I, I think I'm, I'm going to agree with what Carl said earlier, and that was like a lot of my noir picks. My favorite ones are actually in the '90s, but '80s has some like decent entries as well. I think on the top of that, um, well, I just mentioned cyberpunk, but uh, so Blade Runner yeah. ha- has got to be up there for me. I mean, that to me, you talk about the lighting, you talk about the pacing, you talk about the dialogue and stuff. To me, that that hits all of. Uh, certainly the the anti-hero that, that that hits all the beats for me what film Devin? Um, i didn't hear it didn't come through on my own what blade runner oh yeah oh yeah 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 okay um i think here's one that's kind of on the cusp i guess is is silence of the lambs mm-hmm. i think a lot of that has to do with again the the lighting the angles things like that but here's my favorite one from the 1980s and i've mentioned it before on the pod it's often overlooked and I highly recommend it. It's a Ridley Scott film, 1989. Goes back. It's got that Michael Douglas tie-in. It is Black yeah. Rain. Yeah. And that, that is such a great film to go watch. I highly recommend that. 
Yeah. Well, that's a great choice. I hadn't even thought of that, but mm-hmm. yeah, it fits. It definitely fits. And, and um, I remember watching that the first time and the demise of his partner played by Andy Garcia. Yeah. Uh, I just yeah. gutted me, man. I, yes. It was such a surprise, but it sort of fits that genre where eventually you can isolate your protagonist. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And you see that in a lot. Like you see, like talking about Blade Runner, like it, there's a moment where, Deckard's kind of all alone there at the end. And, you know, I wonder if that's a, a staple of a lot of the genres where you get your protagonists and you get them to a place where they're sort of all by themselves mm-hmm. and no one's really right. believing right. them and that you put them in the like the deepest water possible. Well, um, I'm just kind of looking ahead, at, Mark. well, I'll just talk about that. I, in lieu of trying to do a little research to try to get the definition for me, because I didn't have one before we talked about this. I think one time I tried to say something on Twitter, and Chris White was like, no, that's not it at all. I was like, all right, I'll go back to the drawing board. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but one thing is, as far as losing the partner in isolation, I think one thing it seemed to be was yeah. you, you lose something. You have to lose something close to you. Yes. It might be your yes. life. It might be your moral. Yeah. It might be your morals. You've, you slipped out. Or it might yes. be your belief in a system or whatever, or someone close to you. So you lose something. And yeah. so that losing something kind of tends to isolate too, you know, like, so those, I think go hand in hand. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe Jeremy, and I'm just throwing this out there. Maybe we yeah. need to have Chris the intern. I, I, I'm just throwing that out. Right? <laughs> we might have to Chris. <laughs> hey, we need wait, you, wait, man. Wait. <laughs> first we of all, I I, wanted, I needed to ask if I needed to do a George Costanza. Cause my first pick was like, y'all loved it. Y'all loved it. I mean, uh, so I'm I'm leave them want more. I'm out. Coco the gorilla and all that stuff. So, um, no. But second, okay. I mean, that being said, yeah, he would be a better pick than me. So, for anything. So, I mean, I think he's about to open a, a private investigations on the in yes. Hawaii somewhere and become the live yeah, action back of PI. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So if you need, he's got the helicopter and the yeah, Ferrari, Robin Masters guest house. He's got it all. Yes. So if you do need a crime solved in Hawaii, and possibly in a noir style, get Chris White on the phone. Let's get him. Yes. You know, I have in a. In fact, if it's not noir, don't involve Chris. <laughs> Lost puppies. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I have. I I lived for five years on Oahu when my dad was stationed there in the Air Force, and and I have this awesome memory. I was at the beach. Uh, just playing, hanging out. I was probably in third, fourth grade. Uh, hear a helicopter, look up. It's the Magna PI helicopter just <laughs> down the beach. I was just like, yes, like it was. It was great. So here are wow. two of my picks uh, from the '80s, and that idea of taking your protagonist and isolating uh, him in these cases uh, is is pretty much at the forefront. The first one is Brian De Palma's Blowout, it's 40th anniversary, mm. 1981 film. Uh, De Palma is sort of a guilty pleasure for me. I think he, of that group of new Hollywood, of Lucas and Spielberg and Scorsese and Coppola, all those guys, I, I, I have a soft spot for De Palma. I think at times, technically, he does things visually, to me, more interesting than the others, although Scorsese is right up there. Uh, so I, I really, really like him. I think this film, Blowout, is top-notch and if you don't know the film that well go watch it it's worth your time uh travolta plays a sound like a a sound guy for film movie starts off 
so interesting. It is a slasher film, mm-hmm. and it's a first-person perspective of the killer. And you realize after the first, the opening few minutes, you realize John Travolta is the sound engineer on the film, and he's working on the sound effects because you have this hilarious screen of scream of one of the victims, and that that introduces you to this guy, and he goes out and records, um, you know, sound effects. And one night he's out, he uh, witnesses through audio um, an accident, a car accident that takes the life of one of the people in the vehicle uh, when it lands in some water. Uh, he goes back and starts to unravel this mystery. This is a, a remake of um, Blow Up, uh, which is a, uh, it was a European film about maybe 15 years earlier uh, by Antonio, I think Antonio, I think is his name, but I've only seen that film one time and that was when I was taking a film class. But I've seen this Travolta, Brian De Palma film so many times. I love it. And, of course, by the end of it, Travolta is isolated. um, And it's really uh, the ending is pretty spectacular if you've never seen it. So Blowout's one. The other is my favorite filmmaker. It's Michael Mann. It's a movie called Thief. Um, I have another Michael Mann. I actually have three Michael Mann films in my mind. You oh, know, me too. Got and one. One. one is Manhunter. Manhunter, I, Manhunter yeah. might be my favorite Michael Mann movie with Heat a close second. Um, but um, I want to talk about Thief. Thief is one that's often overlooked. James Conson, he's obviously the thief mm. in the in the title. Um, but it it just it just there's some authenticity um, in some of the scenes, and the acting is just outstanding in moments there's a diner scene that if you can find it on youtube watch it because the acting is so genuine and just spectacular uh, it truly is it's like like con is throwing like a hundred in this movie and um i think he was stoned half the time like i think he was it was yes. like one of these major binge moments in con's career um and he i i don't know how he did it but it's a it's a very captivating film it's slower pace it's the early 80s there there's there's still that movement toward faster pace filmmaking um and and it doesn't really infect thief like you see in the later 80s and the early 90s mm-hmm. but but man i love this movie and, and i've watched it recently and my estimation of it just keeps growing um and so if you haven't seen um blow out or Thief, those are two of the 80s that I absolutely adore. I love the protagonists in both of those films. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are mine. Carl, what, what else do you have on your list? I had for 80s. I actually had Manhunter, too. So, um, and that's oh, just one of those Oh, yeah, movies. Manhunter? Yeah, Manhunter. Yeah. Not, not, the, not the sequel, but just Manhunter also. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was... And it's one of those that I don't even remember being in the theater around here. I don't remember any, any kind of advertising for it. I just a friend of mine's brother worked at a video store and they had all these copies that you would oh, wow. see pre screening copies of yeah. stuff. Yeah. So I saw that. Um, it was kind of you know that one and you know William Peterson in the lead of that was sort of it was he's different than yeah. what you see on CSI and uh, even right. more different mm-hmm. in To Live and Die in L.A. which is kind of another noir yeah. movie of that time yeah, too. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so he he kind of he it's kind of funny to see him in trying to be a leading man type of role and even being more. Uh, like where if you see him on CSI, he's like all reserved and thinking and calm and 
and then being more, uh, you know, more, I don't know, a little on the edge of stuff and kind of a little hyper and these other movies, it's kind right. of funny. But the movie was good, you know, and Devin had to shout out to San Francisco and one of his, so Dirty Harry stuff. So I will shout out to Birmingham, Alabama, which they shot a little scene in, in right. there. And a couple of the characters who were killed were living in Birmingham in the movie. So, But it's, see, it's yeah. it's in the Silence of the Lambs universe. It's It's got a little yeah. cameo from, um, <clears throat> from Hannibal Lecter. Hannibal. So, yeah. yeah. And so, nice. but it's a good, you know, but I did enjoy that movie and, and at the time didn't think of it as a noir movie, but so, but I did like it. I did like it. It, Manhunter is just, yeah, we got to do it on the show. I think season mm-hmm. two next year, I think it's something we have, we, we have to do. I've been trying to wait for it to be like on your Netflix or Amazon prime. I, I think mm-hmm. you have to still purchase it, but, but Manhunter is just, um, it's based on the novel Red Dragon. Uh, of course, Red Dragon was made with with the Anthony Hopkins Hannibal mm-hmm. Lecter and Edward Norton. I, that film is like so subpar compared to Man. Manhunter right. feels like a weird fever dream. I, mm-hmm. I don't even know how to. It's mm-hmm. very dreamlike. It's terrifying. It's uh, the acting across the board is just everything from Joan Allen to to of course. Uh, the lead Peterson, yeah, Winston, yeah. like it's just, uh, it's just astounding film. Mm. It's one of Michael Mann's best, uh, and it is um, often not talked about the way I think it should be talked about. And and it, it is such a just a stellar film. And I can't believe there is a movie called Red Dragon that exists that mm-hmm. more people seem to know about. Which just like I'm mm. like. It's just well, a tragedy. That's a good point. The funny, it's like I think I saw this. It might be another movie, but I think when I was looking at um, Manhunter, I think it had like a twenty-three million dollar budget, and it it grossed like twenty-three point two or three. So it barely right. made yeah, its money even, back. Yeah. And so it's one of those movies yeah. that probably, like I said, I didn't. If I hadn't seen it through the, the way I saw it, I would have never really. It would have never come across my radar. Yeah, Michael Mann's films are are weird in that way, like. It's almost like the longer they exist, the more people seem to realize how special they are. Mm-hmm. Like when he came out, and that's on my list yeah. uh, for the 90s noir films, but when he came out, yeah, people loved it. It's Pacino, De Niro, the, the, the diner scene, you know, the shootout. Every, I mean, we all know that stuff, but mm-hmm. I don't think it got any acting nominations. Um, didn't get Best Picture, didn't get Best Director. Like, what the hell? Like, you know, it's just shocking that it is. And today, um, people love it. And, and you know, mm. there are podcasts about it. They're like, there's people think it's one of the great crime films ever made. And, and I, I feel that way about Manhunter. I feel like it, it's one of the great noir crime thriller movies I've ever seen. And, Mm. Uh, Michael Mann is just one of those directors that has just not gotten the due that I think he deserves because I think he's uh, just head and shoulders above his contemporaries in so many areas. Um, so yeah, Manhunter, Carl, I think that's a, a great, great choice. It's it's just on my list as great one of my favorite great movies ever made. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, Devin, what what do you have on on your list as we think about the nineties? 
Yeah, so let me, I'll unveil those, but first yeah. I want to just give a special kind of tip of the 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 cap to a, yeah. an, was it 80s? It must have been 80s. It may have been 90s. Let me yeah. actually look because I don't want to yeah. get that wrong. Um, but that is, here's a noir film that um, Disney produced, and that is Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> that sounds silly. Yeah. Is it 80s? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's like 89, but, I think. But, yeah, that movie 88, broke 88. so much ground, and yeah. what an interesting genre to pick for Disney to bring this uh, animation and and live action blend yeah. um, to to cinema. So I I do want to point out like not only was that a groundbreaking film in the sense of animation and live uh, actors interacting, but also what a fascinating genre for Disney of all people to pick to kind of test those waters. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Jump to the '90s. Uh, listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you three films. I can't put them in any order because I love each of them equally, and I will also say that these are three of my favorite films, regardless of what genre we're talking about. That's right. how powerful these three films are to me. I saw each one of these in the theater, and I think um, that made a tremendous impact on on how I view them and relate to them. But let me just break them down for you. Um, again, not in any particular order, but number three, Heat. Yeah. Heat is by far and away such an impactful, well-acted, well-produced, well-directed film. Of course, um, got Al Pacino. You've got, um, what's her name from Judging Amy, whatever her name is with the big Amy, hair. Amy, Amy um, Brenneman. Um, Brenneman. Thank you. Brenneman. Yes, thank yeah. you. Um, <laughs> we've got De Niro in there. We've got just a really great, um, I think that the action sequence after the bank robbery is so well done and if you saw that in the theater you know what i'm talking about right right other other ones on my list though la confidential fantastic yep. film and then seven has got to be at the top of that for me i it's hard for me to watch that film as much as i love it because it, it is so dark yeah. yeah it is so dark but it's it's kind of like eating chocolate cake in the dark like you know you probably shouldn't but <laughs> my goodness it tastes so good Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness! Yeah, Carl and I saw Seven together. Um, yeah. Oh wow! I think it was like a double date. I think. Um, well, no. Wow. I think yeah. that was that one was okay. Jeremy and I saw. I okay. Look at the list. We saw three movies together on this on okay. the list that I saw of things that were nineties uh, uh, noir from other lists from like Wikipedia. Yeah. So I don't, you know, don't get mad yeah. at me if you don't okay. agree with. Okay. Mahalan Falls <laughs> is one of them. And I think that one was on the double day. Oh, that's a good. Film. And then yeah. okay. seven wow. we saw with a group. That was a big group. I remember Jeff Reese was there, different people. So okay. it was a group of people. Okay. And okay. We were all out in the parking lot, and no one wanted to get in their car and go home. Right. And everyone was just staring at their feet in a circle, kind of like you know what happened. Uh, yeah. So one guy said, "I need to go home and take a shower." It was, <laughs> I mean, depressing. But then Jeremy mentioned to me earlier, and I feel the same way. It's like one of those you see, and you're like this, and like you even said, Devin, you can't, you don't. It's hard for you to watch, even though how much you love it. It's one of those things you see how yeah. good the movie was. It was, you know, artful, you know, all the different things, you know, yeah, and yeah. written well, acted well, all the stuff. Uh, and it, yeah. yet you're like, ugh, it's hard to it's hard to look at. And maybe that's part of what noir does yes. is make you look at stuff that you don't necessarily want to see in the real world. But that one was one, and the other one was. The usual yes. suspects that Jeremy and I saw. We were the, mm. we saw that just the two of us there together. And the funny thing about that mm. is, I mean, I love movies, but Jeremy was in the movies, and that's why we. That's part of how our friendship developed. But he was so into movies, he was like, "This is 
pre-internet, pre, you know, you you saw uh, trailers on TV and you looked in the newspaper in the big in the middle of the se- uh, yeah. entertainment section to see what was out. And Jeremy, but Jeremy, why don't you just say the name of the film you want to yeah. see? <laughs> <laughs> That's almost before that. I think that may have been going, but he was. But, you know, Jeremy, I guess, read magazines, different things. He knew more about it yeah. than the average person. So he's like, hey, this is young director, Brian Singer. A lot of buzz about him. This movie, his first movie coming out, is, is getting, like, a lot of talk. we got to go see it. Usual Suspects. I had no idea what the movie's about. But I'm like, I trust Jeremy. Hey, let's go see Usual Suspects. So we go to the theater, and we're like, hey, we'd like to buy some tickets for Usual Suspects. And they're like, what? And we said, we would like, you know, and the, and the, the box office person like, I don't know. And they go talk to the concession stand person and they're all looking around and they're like, we have never heard of this movie. And they go, finally, they talk to a manager in the back office. I think somebody comes out and goes, oh yeah, that's, that doesn't come out till next week. So it was a movie that nobody knew about, even people at the theaters and no one knew. And we couldn't even get the date right. Cause, but Yo, we, wow. we went the next week and it was good. So we, but, and I really liked the movie too. So. Uh, that would, as far yeah. as, since we're not necessarily on me, but from the 90s, Usual Suspects would be one of mine, as far as ones I really enjoyed. That's a good call. Uh, That's a really good call. I, I would call. probably also do, mine I get pulled into science fiction-y type stuff, that sort of is like Blade yeah. Runner, like, that's the hook that sort of pulls me into noir, so 12 Monkeys right. and um, oh, great Dark, choice. Yeah. Dark City, those are a couple that I like as far oh. as that. Yeah, I, I think there could even be a part two podcast. I mean, just talking about the, the neo-noir of, like, the 90s, because you mm-hmm. got, I mean, just mentioning Dark City, I didn't even think of that, and that might be mm-hmm. one of the best on the list, and that is a completely overlooked film. And mm-hmm. uh, I just, I remember seeing that movie. Did I see that one with you, Carl? I don't, Did we th- see I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm looking I, at the year. I think I saw it with a friend named Jason Skinner. That's who I think I saw it with. Probably. I saw it with one other person, but I can't remember. But I remember leaving that going, that was amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember wow. seeing, you know, Seven walking out thinking yeah. I had mm. seen something while it was dark and depressing and overwhelming. Mm-hmm. I was like, what I just saw was something special. Mm-hmm. And, and mm. um, I think a lot of the films on our list, if we saw them in the theater, that was often, at least for me, my, my thought about it when I mm-hmm. walked out. When I saw Heat, I saw it on a Friday, and then I doubled back on a Sunday that weekend. And saw yeah. it again. And what was really cool was right around that time, Casino was out. And I saw Heat a third oh, time, wow. but I double featured it. I was at the theater for maybe eight hours, it felt like. And I saw Heat followed by Casino um, and saw my old De Niro double feature. But, um, yeah, 95, 96, those were, like, you know, some special years, I think. Because I think Seven's 95 as well. Uh, so mm-hmm. there's some really yeah. interesting yeah. – um, like noir films being made, mm-hmm. Heat is is exceptional, I I think. And yes. you know, we talked about Manhunter, but uh, there are some. In- I just I literally watch. I'm watching Heat now with my wife. We stopped it about midway through. Um, we we just our schedules are so busy. It's hard to sit down for three hours mm-hmm. and and watch something. And so. But we were talking, my wife and I were talking about it, how we just keep noticing this theme about about time and about not having enough time, running out of time. It's really interesting to be a 47-year-old guy watching the movie now and hearing these around the same age because they're in their 50s when they made this. Dealing with themes that often come up in my own life is, Mm -hmm. uh, like, I think about time. I think about how much time do I have 
What do I want to spend my time doing? What's worth my time? Um, and just to hear these characters in a crime noir film talk about it, I, I just found that really interesting. It shows you the brilliance of man, because when I saw it in my 20s, I didn't even pay attention. I was like, the gun battle is awesome, you know? Yeah. And, and you know, and, and, and I, I, and it was similar with Seven, you know? Um, yeah. I knew I'd seen special things, but you can still mine those movies for for content that um, impacts you. And, and mm. I, I think that's mm. one of the interesting things about the genre. Devin, you mentioned L.A. Confidential. Um, yeah. Man, that movie is spectacular. Uh, I, I think the performances in that film across the board is might be one of the best ensemble performances because you have you have obviously Guy Pearce and Russell Crowe Kim Basinger won the Academy Award but you yeah. have Kevin Spacey in it as well yeah. turning in just a wonderful performance uh and uh James Cromwell as as the yeah. as the I think he was like the chief and yep. the main betrayer and so you you just yeah. it's just such a, a deeply um, acted film like it's just everyone brings their a game and and i i there's not it is one of the few movies that it doesn't matter where it's at i will stop what i'm doing and watch it like mm. i i don't yeah. care where it, yeah. it, it, it it's worth it to me to to stop what i'm doing to watch that movie and and uh man i love i love it um anything else on your list or anything else you want to bring up about about noir films I kind of have a question because it's, yeah, you know, you can look, you talked about the roots of the original classical time period being, you know, people coming out of the depression, World War Two, And it's like yeah. a, yeah. you know, there's a darkness mm. around, you know, everybody's psyche around the world, basically. Um, and then it's sort of, you know, a lot of people say there's nothing after the early 60s in some people's definitions. And you talk about neo-noir and you look at the 70s and 80s and just the list I looked at seemed to be, you could put, they almost put. 59 to 89 on one list and then a list equally yeah. as big or bigger was just the 90s why right, do you think right. you know you usually talked about chinatown okay chinatown comes out between watergate and the resignation of nixon so it's like you know you see it kind of reflecting the attitude of what's going on in society why do you think the 90s seem to explode over the 70s and 80s at least in my the way I look at it, maybe I'm wrong about even that assumption. Why do you think the nineties had so much more noir than the seventies and the eighties? Yeah. Yeah. Devin, any thoughts before I jump in? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, the, the first part of that answer is like so many things it's, it's cyclical, right? Yeah. Like whatever was cool once eventually comes back to be cool again. I mean, look at the rebirth of eighties fashion and, and things like that. Hell, we're doing a podcast based yeah. on yeah. 80s pop culture. So, I mean, I, I think part of it is certainly that. I And I guess there's two sides to that coin, right? There's the, oh, let's let's look at things that were once cool, but then the other side of that coin is just like, oh, we have no original ideas, so let's just grab something mm. that's been done. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think the other thing is, I, I think that because noir typically involves those things that really peak human emotions right there's there's the suspense there's um the the, the double cross often there, there's those things i think that really just kind of scratch away at viewers emotions more so 
than some of the other genres out there. Like you can go like uh, because of Win Dixie all day long, <laughs> but that's not going to scratch the itch uh, that things like Seven or LA Confidential or, or other things do. That, that's just my opinion. Yeah. Though, that it happens to be correct. Yeah, and, and I think it's a wonderful question, and I, and I I don't have an answer other than I wonder. Like it's like I wonder if it's this, and and for mm. me. When you think about the 90s, especially that time period of like 90, 91 through 96, 97, that, that little block of time. Um, and I know there's some noir films in like 98, 99, but I'm thinking more of that, those years. And really specifically 92, 93, 94, 95. But think about the music at the time. You have grunge music. Um, yeah. mm. You have the generation of latchkey kids making movies. Um, I think there is a a feeling of abandonment, of cynicism, but also a desire to be genuine and real, and deal mm. with some of the dark stuff that had been experienced by the by Gen X. And I th I wonder if it's sort of this like sandwich of all these ingredients together, and it's yeah. it's just um, you know, because when I think about well, what pop culturally is happening, you have musically with grunge and even in the world of rap at the time there is this let's cut the bullshit and let's just be honest yeah. and yeah um you know i i came across a video just this week and um i think it was sort of in response to like some of the things happening like there was people killed at a concert at astro world hmm. uh just recently and um there was some other like things happening at concerts but also we're, we have the me too movement going on but um there was a guy in the audience of a concert of nirvana groping a girl and cobain stops the show and tells security to get the guy out of you can find it on youtube he's like get the guy out of here and then they mock the guy like they're all like mm. grohl and like you know the whole band is mm -hmm. like Ha 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 ha! Like they're doing that as this guy's escorted out, and mm. you see that with with several of the bands. No one was perfect. Obviously, the suicide rate of the grunge like bands is like, I can't even imagine what the percentages yeah. are. Um, yeah. So it was a, a very dark group of people, and even despite their struggles, there was a desire to to do something good but be honest about it, and. Mm. Um, I wonder if that's spilling over into the films as well as, is, you know, this is all effed up. Let's like, mm. let's be real about this. Yeah. Um, you know, you think of seven and it's like the last and the last line was actually made to be put in. Like Finchner wasn't even going to have the last line. The studio made that happen where you have the line mm. where it's like, um, it's like Hemingway, like um, Morgan Freeman's character, Somerset quotes Hemingway and says something to the effect of, you know, the world is good and worth fighting for. I believe the second part um, that yeah. was included yeah. in, the, in the in the in the film. And, you know, I think that worldview at the time is like the world isn't good, but we need mm -hmm. to fight for it. And I think that's you see that in the music. You see it in like the films being made. I, that's just my wondering. And, and I felt that very deeply. And I felt like I wasn't being BSed when I saw those movies. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. and that's a great point. I so. totally am on board with that. Yeah, I got another. Yeah, I, I got know. another question too. If the, yeah, like in the you talked because you talked about sort of the suicide rate of just the genre of like yeah. people in that time period in the spotlight. Yeah. 
So one thing I noticed on like three films, two of them in the nineties, it's like and one of the eighties is like Angel Heart and Memento and yeah. Fight Club. Mm. Like th- those are like the and I didn't know if this was something that was more new or if it's been in so you guys help me if it's been in noir the whole time, but it's like the enemy there. A lot of times you're up against the odds and you can't fight who, you know, right. the system or whatever. Um, you can't get out of it. You're in a maze. But um, this one is like the, the thing you're fighting is actually yourself. The thing you're angry at, the thing you want to destroy is actually yourself yeah. in all three of those movies. Yeah. Is that yeah. more of a modern thing or is that something that's been mm. through noir a whole lot? And maybe why do you think that might be as well? I don't know. That's a. I don't know, Devin. Do you have an answer to that? Because I I need to think about that a little bit. Yeah. No. I mean, I I think <laughs> that that's okay. So maybe I pulled the trigger a little too hard. Maybe Carl's a perfectly good <laughs> intern. Um, I'm out. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> uh, no. I I think I would need to ponder that a little bit longer as well. I know that sounds like a total out, but I I like that. That's got layers to it. Um. Yeah. So. Uh, I, I'll defer to you, Jeremy. <laughs> oh, you bastard. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm thinking, and what I'm doing is I'm thinking about Bogart's films. He's sort of like the, mm. the benchmark for me when it comes to mm-hmm. noir. Um, and I never really took him, I'm trying, I'm thinking through it all. I never took him as thinking he himself. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm going through his movies. Maybe he does to an extent. I, I do agree. I, it seems a little more pronounced uh, in the 90s, uh, yeah, especially I mean, of just, you know, late 80s, early 90s, like we are our own devil in, in mm-hmm. a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'd have to think about it more. It fits with what we're talking about with the 90s mm-hmm. is just sort of this recognition of our own darkness um and trying to come to terms with that and, right. and how do you fight against not only the brokenness of the world around you but like your own brokenness mm-hmm. and well um yeah. yeah i just think it's like i don't know maybe those resonated with me too because as an adult right. it's like i look at my life and the things that i probably have like it's so human to want to say outside forces are keeping me down. You know, it's so human yeah, to like yeah, yeah, yeah. want to get the blame off yourself. But it, you know, when I'm honest right. with myself, I look. It's like the situations that I've been in that are that have been the most detrimental to my life are of my own choosing. You know, it wasn't forced on me right. by mm. other things. You know, um, right, so right. and there are times where yeah, you feel like the world's against you, and that's and that's legit legitimate. Right. But then there's also times where it's like, no, I've just made choices, not because it mm. was not because I was seduced by a siren or coerced i just made a bad choice that led to you know negative impacts on my life and people around me so i guess maybe that's why it resonates mm-hmm. with me and i just didn't know if that was more of a modern way of thinking about it or um or not yeah no that's a that's great and and i i even think maybe we need to have a part two to this is we i don't know it seems like we need to like think through our own questions and and see what answers we come up with and maybe on another what you're talking about we come circle back around, come back to this and go, well, here's what I think now that I've been able to ponder yeah. it. Because I think the one of the things that film, when it's at its best, what it can do is it, it, it sort of holds up the mirror, right? And, mm-hmm. and not only to yourself, but to the world you live in. And at times ask hard questions that you wouldn't normally ask of yourself in just a regular day-to-day experience. You know, it almost tricks us to ask yeah. the hard questions. And I wonder if the genre of, of noir does that 
the best um, mm -hmm. or is one of the, the genres that can do that, like can access those questions better than, you know, your superhero films? I, I don't know. <laughs> um, but mm. but, but so. it seems it seems to be able to do that. Um, I think it, I think it does we, spark we circle back around spark more thought and I will just this is just sort of like my I'm more of like I said super I'm more of the genres that aren't noir I don't want to think about these things but they do end up making me think about things that other movies don't and I even mm -hmm. kind of noticed even within like uh, I mentioned uh, there's two franchise uh, two franchises out there that they're not noir necessarily but they had like specific movies of them which were more noir i guess than others and one would be like batman returns from the tim burton sort of run batman michael keaton that stuff mm. and the uh alien three now i mean if you're a pure noir yeah. person you're probably not thinking well those are noir movies but those are movies that i was disappointed in when i saw at the theater but i probably think more of and then especially well in both instances movies that came after them got away from that and then i was like oh well now i see the value of Batman Returns and Alien 3. Alien 3 is a much better ending and, you know, uh, resolution for what Ripley's going through as opposed to the Alien Resurrection and all those other, the movies, any other movie that comes right. after it. And the Batman movies got ridiculously stupid uh, the further they went along. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so sometimes it is, like Jeremy said earlier in this whole thing, it's like, it's not BSME, it's telling me the truth. And sometimes we don't like the truth, but then when you see it, you're like, yeah. you know, that, that actually makes the most sense, and it's actually more satisfying mm -hmm. than the fantastical versions of it. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great point. I think it's, it's you know, just mentioning, you know, Batman Returns, you know, I saw recently the trailer for The Batman, the, the new mm -hmm. film. That looks um, like that's, that, that's coming out. Yeah, and it, 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 it definitely has a noir quality to it. And Batman, of all the heroes in that I can think of, um, uh, Logan can kind of get at this as well. Yeah. Has that noir element, like it, it's sort of built into the to the story, yeah. to the character. Um, and I'm I'm really curious if if the Batman, this new film that will come out, will go to some of those places that we see the genre go to. Um, yeah. And you have your you have your protagonist that has the the siren that Devin was talking about at the beginning of the show you know you mm -hmm. have catwoman in it and so you have some of those elements that that really are are interesting and so i i i'm i'm super curious i'll be there opening weekend just because yeah. i i really feel like this film could be something unique and mm. there's a million batman movies but i i really think this is on to something um that that might even be dare i say it better than what um Christopher Nolan was doing with his trilogy. So hey, whoa, um, hey, whoa, whoa. I know. Sorry, 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 everybody. Wow, and there go the patrons. <laughs> Thanks everybody for listening. <laughs> well, we've been we've been chatting for about an hour. We're gonna wrap up the show. Um, patrons, we can't thank you enough for for being on this journey with us. Uh, we have planes, trains, automobiles coming up. Yeah. Uh, once this show concludes, uh, the three of us are going to chat about, well, what's, what's December have for us? We're about, we have one more episode and then we'll be done with year one, which is hard to, hard to believe. And many of you patrons have been there, uh, with us from the beginning. And so we, we really thank you. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll let you know, uh, next week and on the, on the patron site, um, what's coming up. Uh, in the month of December and beyond. We are doing our 1982 films, but we have some other things up our sleeves. So, patrons, thanks so much for your support, and we'll be chatting with you soon. <laughs>